Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy. We're taking up today where we left off yesterday, talking about the importance of older people working with younger people. We're talking about the story of Elisha. Whenever he made a pot of stew and someone threw in some poison, it took the wisdom of an older man to tell them what to do, to arrange and to take that thing and make it where the people could eat it. The same thing is true with the Word of God today. We have so many false things coming in, poisons coming in. It takes the wisdom of an older person to come back to the basic doctrines of the Word of God and show us how to remedy it and bring redemption back in where death has reigned for so long. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Great to have you here with us today. Today's part number two. I'm talking about Elisha and the pot of stew. Second Kings chapter four was a story there about Elisha and he was head of a school and they call the school of the prophets and probably had a fairly good sized group of new students that were there. And uh, the Bible says there was a, a famine in the land. But what happened was, is he sent out, uh, he simply said to the students, we need some uh, vegetables for the pots. We're going to make a pot of stew. So one young man ran out into the field and didn't know the difference between a poisonous gourd and, you know, a, a vegetable and brought back this poisonous gourd and started slicing it up in there. And as they started to eat the stew, one of the students cried out to the old man, who was Elijah, Elisha and said to him, sir, there's death in the pot. And Elisha didn't get upset. He didn't start screaming and yelling who did this stupid thing. No, he didn't put any blame on anybody. He just simply took flour and threw it in there. That's what your King James says, some other translations. And uh, uh, again, I looked up some other things about it and they said it might've been cornmeal since, uh, since uh, it was always been so expensive to have wheat in the ancient world. So probably this was cornmeal. But what I was simply saying was this was a very basic thing and it healed the pot of stew. Now, this may sound like something uninteresting, but it talks about the importance of young people and old people working together. Because young people often, when they first get in the ministry, are pulling things out that aren't true. They, they run out in the field of where all the sermons are being preached today, out in the, the Christian world, and they're pulling back sermons and don't realize some of them they're bringing back are actually poison. It takes an older man in the word of God, a more mature man. And I'm not talking about old just by age, but by maturity has been in the ministry for quite a few years, understands these things and they don't get upset about it. But what the answer is, is basic doctrine, cornmeal, throw it in there. That's what heals the pot. And what we need today, especially among so many churches today and so many ministers is a return back to basic doctrines. We don't don't understand basic doctrines. And this is how we can so easily get caught up in there is no rapture of the church. There is no sovereignty of God. We go down the list of things that are being taught today that are just so far off and the coming the the kingdom theology, you know, that we're gonna we're gonna actually subdue the earth and there is no rapture of the church. Jesus is gonna wait for us to subdue the earth and he's gonna come back. It ain't gonna happen, folks. We can't do it. There's we have limitations to our ministry. Jesus is the one's gonna have to come back and do all this. We do what we can, but the main thing we're called to do is not subdue the earth. The main thing we're called to do is go into all the world and preach the gospel, make converts, make disciples, establish churches. This is what we're supposed to do, lay hands on the sick, cast out devils. These are the things we are supposed to do and have been given authority to do, but we do not have authority to change the entire planet. That's what Jesus is going to do. So once you understand that, you realize that's false doctrine. What's going to change it? Basic doctrine. Get right back to the basic doctrines of what God wants us to have. 
And of course, they, there came healing in the pot. But again, this shows that the working together of old people and young people. I have a book called uh, Calling and Separation. And in this book called Calling and Separation, it's, it's with the, I have some other things that's being offered in this broadcast. But this one tells you also the importance of older people working with younger people. Elisha standing beside Elijah for 10 years. Most people don't realize it took that long. It was 10 years from the time that Elijah found Elisha plowing and then brought him under his wing and finally Elijah. Elijah left the earth and turned it over to Elisha 10 years. But Elisha understood that. And even though Elisha had the same ministry and calling that Elijah did and was called to fulfill his ministry, his personality was different. His desires were different and his desires were to work around the young people and help train them up. Just like Elijah had done to him, Elisha wanted to do for a group of people. So he had a small group around him called the School of the Prophets. And he taught them again the importance of these things. Let's talk about where this miracle took place. Again, 2 Kings chapter 4, it was in Gilgal. Gilgal was the camp of Israel when they returned and came back to Canaan after, after Abraham had been there many, many years before, some 400 years before. Now they're coming back. And when, uh, whenever the children of Israel went into Egypt, there was 70 of them. Now, by the time they've come into Canaan, there's over 2 million of them. Gilgal was the camp of Israel when they entered Canaan. After each battle and after every scouting trip, the armies returned to their families and their homes in Gilgal. The name Gilgal means the place of the circle, a symbol for the word of God and its basic doctrines, which give us power for each and every day. The city stood beside the Jordan River, which had been parted by God's power and the nation had set up 12 stones as a memorial to God's power and provision. And they did it at the bottom of the Jordan River. This is found in Joshua chapter four, verse 18 through 24. It became the camp and remained the camp for Israel for generations after that, that they came to Gilgal. They went out and came back to Gilgal. It's a type of the place where the word of God is taught. The local church, the place of fellowship where everybody gets together, young and old, male, female, Email, uh, you know, educated, uneducated, good looking, not good looking. I mean, those who had, you know, families members missing. I would, I was raised without a dad. My mom died early. I was the only child. I wish I'd had a brother, sister. Come to church. We've got answers for all of that. But not only that, we have the answers for life. And this is the place where the word of God is taught, and especially the basics of the word of God are taught: righteousness and justice and grace and mercy and all the other aspects of God, salvation, justification, uh, sanctification, all these words, these big sounding words with simple definitions, it comes back. This is the basics, the flower, the cornmeal of God's word that we throw in and it heals so many things that are wrong today. And so again, uh, it was here also that the men who had been circumcised in Egypt or had not been circumcised in Egypt or in the wilderness were now circumcised before entering Canaan to conquer it. This shows the separation from the world and the act of showing their heart attitude toward God. This is Jeremiah chapter four and verse four and Romans chapter two and verse 29. It was also the place where the manna stopped and the people began to eat the corn or the food from the land, Joshua 5, 11. And so in other words, up until that time, God had fed them with milk and, and God had fed them with the with the uh, the bread that came from heaven every day, the manna. And so the people were provided water, all this, but when they came to this place, now they begin to plant their own food and abundance began to come into their life. Again, this was a place, but again, it's a type of the place of the teaching of the word of God. In our story, 
here in chapter four and verse 38 of second Kings uh, was also the place where Elisha began his ministry beside Elijah. And they began going from city to city, but they would always return back to Gilgal. And before Elijah was taken eventually into heaven, all this occurred. Second Kings chapter two and verse one tells us again, they came back to Gilgal. Now he returns to Gilgal, the place of the word of God. This is where his ministry will be based. He went out into cities. He went out and taught in different places. He went out and performed miracles, but he always came back to Gilgal. What am I saying here? The center of your life the center of your relationship with God is not just a Bible in front of you or a, or a tape player in front of you, tapes, listen to that, or, you know, uh, something that you downloaded on something, listening to that, all that's important, but that's more like eating, you know, supplements. Your main meal comes from the local church. Gilgal is your local church, the place where you come back to each and every week. And pastors, it's so important that just like here in Gilgal, one young man ran out and brought back some poison. Don't you dare bring poison into the church of God. Make sure you study it out. And on top of that, study after older men and women, those who were foundational in the of your doctrine and the foundation of your teaching and your understanding of the word of God. Keep returning back to those. Yes, it's good to find new people, but the newer people should again line up with the word of God. Maybe they come with a little different viewpoint on it. That's fine. You come with a different viewpoint. You might come with a missions aspect where the person before you pastoring had more of an apostolic ministry. It doesn't matter about the, the basis of your ministry. Is the set word of God the same? Your viewpoint on it might be from this direction or that direction, from ministry, uh, from, from home ministry, to, you know, the having home cell groups, things like that. You might have Sunday school classes, all that. You might love breaking the church down into smaller groups. You may love taking the church out on missions trips. Every pastor has a little different vision, but it still comes back to the same word of God, the same basics of the word of God, the same flour, the same cornmeal. So Gilgal in our story was also the place where Elisha began his ministry, standing beside Elijah, going from city to city before Elijah was taken up eventually into heaven. This is second Kings chapter two and verse one. Now he returns to Gilgal, the place of the word of God to teach the word of God to a whole new generation. The best place for a person to grow up and become part of the ministry is in the local church. I love Bible schools, love to teach in Bible schools, but I always admonish Bible school students, this is not a church. This is a Bible school. This is where you come to get taught. This is, again, your theory class, but the church is your lab class. That's where you take it. And after you sit in class during the week, go and work there on site. Don't just attend, help in the children's church, help with ushering, help with all the other things that the church needs. Why? Because that's what you're being trained for. The church is where people meet with each other. And listen to me, the church is necessary for you to learn how to work with people. People are the hardest part of the ministry. Oh, putting a sermon together might seem like it's difficult, but it's nowhere near what's like learning to work with people. It's interesting too, that in this story we're talking about, there was a drought in the land and there was a drought of food and water. They were in short supply. That was found in chapter four and verse 38 of second Kings. Far more than a natural drought, it's also today a time of spiritual famine a lack of the teaching of the truths of God's word and the worship of false gods is everywhere around us. It was Baal in that day. Today, it's all kinds of false doctrine. Today, it's all types of false religion. It's all types of seeking after everything but God himself. And anyway, the Lord said, behold, the days are coming that I will send a famine
famine on the land, not a famine of bread or a thirst for water, but of the hearing of the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, and it shall not be found. Amos chapter 8, verses 11 and 12. Why am I bringing this out? Because as it's been prophesied that we are living in that day today where it's getting harder and harder to find the word of God. Oh, we find preaching and we find exciting things and we find things that sound spiritual, but in so many cases, it's poisonous gourds being brought back to the church, chopped up and placed into that soup called the sermon for that week. And the people are walking out thinking they're being fed and they're actually being poisoned. So let's talk about the meaning of the miracle. In a time of spiritual drought, it's important not only to receive sound doctrine as a student of the word of God, but also as a minister to teach it. To not only go to a good church, not only go to a good Bible school. If you want to go to a Bible school, there's some good ones. I'm just simply saying, if you can't find a Bible school, stick close to your pastor, work it out in the church because the church is one of the best places to detect your ministry and one of the best places to step out in your ministry. So again, in the time of drought, as we have today, it's important to not only receive sound doctrine as a student of the word of God or a member of a congregation, but also as you begin to minister and teach it, quit looking for exotic things, things that will mark your ministry, make you look unique among everybody. You find the word of God and teach it and God will see to it the uniqueness comes to your ministry. Not only does the word of God come to you from God, but also the uniqueness of your ministry comes from the power of the Holy Spirit and the teaching of the word of God. When we come back, we're gonna take up right where we left off I want to thank you for being with us today, and especially those who help support this broadcast. I'd love for you to become a supporter. I'd love for you to become a partner with me. You can do it by going to my website, bobyandian.com, and joining a host of great other people that stand beside me month after month in prayer and also financial blessing. See you right after the break. Elisha the prophet is an intriguing figure of the Old Testament, a miracle worker, that deserves the extensive study that this series provides through these 13 lessons, which include the call of the miracle worker, where to begin a miracle ministry, the greatest miracle of all, water in the desert, oil in abundance, our heart's desire, faith to raise the dead, Naaman, his pride and his miracle, the purpose of a miracle, returning what is lost, open and shut case, unseen deliverance, and does God remember our faithfulness? To order The Life of Elisha, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. You know, as a young minister, it's important to learn from those who have had years of experience, elders in the body of Christ, I told you the story in the, in the last broadcast about how that I got to work beside Kenneth Hagin, how, how great that was, and how I look back on it now and say, and wish honestly, I'd understood who he was. I knew he was important, I knew he had a great ministry, and I knew to, to stand beside him and learn from him was great, but you know what? Today I respect even more, and he's gone to be with the Lord. I look around others. I actually grew up knowing T.L. Osborne and Oral Roberts. I knew these people, but you know what? I was from Tulsa, they were from Tulsa. I just thought they were just other 
preachers. And I look back on today thinking, Bob, how stupid you were. You stood beside these guys. You talked to them, but you just talked about normal things. You never really asked them important questions. And you should have listened to their teachings more. You should have attended more of their meetings. But I just didn't do it. And oftentimes our life is filled with regrets over things we should have done. And the same thing can be with you is understand today the availability that you have worldwide of understanding what ministers are saying. Pick those that are elders in the body of Christ, those who have years of experience and those who are respected by other ministers. I'm not saying that you have to agree with everything they teach. And I'm not saying that everyone who will recommend them agrees with everything they teach, but what they disagree with is minor. What they understand from them is they understand the basics and the importance of the word of God. It's important that young ministers learn standing beside older ministers. That's why I highly admonish, get involved in a church, stand beside a youth director, stand beside an associate pastor, stand beside your pastor, learn from him. You know, even Elisha, when he was found by Elijah, Elijah was a seasoned minister. Elisha just had a call on his life. He was plowing behind 12 yoke of oxen. And the moment that Elijah took his mantle off and threw it around Elisha, Elisha understood. He knew that. But the, but the mantle went back over to Elisha. Elisha was just simply saying, I recognize that call on your life. But Elisha followed Elijah for 10 years. Probably saw this up and down, wide swing, in and out, emotional man, but understood that's not what I'm here to learn from. I'm here to learn if God can use that man, he can use me. Because Elisha was much more stable than Elijah was. But Elijah, as a minister of God, it was time for him to be leaving, was turning it over to Elisha. It took 10 years for Elisha to learn what he needed to learn. And there came a time when Elijah went to heaven. And this time when the mantle came off, it floated down and came and landed on Elijah and Elisha. And Elisha got to keep it from that time on, operating in signs, wonders, and miracles. But there's that 10 years of preparation where he followed an older person. Let that be the truth of your life. Quit looking around to younger people and just trying to learn from them again. Thank God for the zeal. Thank God for the, the fervor they have in their life and the, and the things you want to look for in the word of God. But understand there are those that are seasoned out there and that's why God leaves them around. God leaves them here for years to help ra to raise up younger people. David even said it. I once was young. Now am I old, but here's the legacy he left. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. There comes a time we just need to listen to what the older people have to say. And they may tell us a lot of stories about what happened back then in the 1940s, 1950s, 1960s, those things that are, as far as you're concerned, ancient history. But God has never changed. His word has never changed. Satan has never changed. The world has not changed. It, it throws just a different picture out there, changes the title on everything, but it's the same old things that Satan has thrown in from time past. And the same word of God will handle it, the same foundational truths of the word of God will handle it. And the same foundational truths of the word of God will educate your people, educate you and make you that disciple God is looking for to place into the ministry. Sitting at the feet of a seasoned minister is as important as Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus to learn the word of God and worship him. When you begin to respect the elders that are around you, as it says in the word of God, that you should respect the, even the friends of your father, that those things that your ones that your father knew, you go to them for for discernment and for understanding. And young people, it simply comes back to this. You don't have to go find these people. Oftentimes you can read and follow after them. Those who wrote books back in, you know, 50, 60 years ago, 
Those who were in the ministry a hundred years ago and have died, those who started revivals in our own country and saw the great things happen, those that were, we saw revivals in Germany and England and other places around the world in the past, they've long gone to be with the Lord. Their sermons still are there today and were filled with the doctrines of the word of God. So young ministers are filled with zeal, but often have little discernment in recognizing true doctrine from false, poison from real food. Satan has sowed tares among the wheat. Satan is an evil imitator of God and of the word of God. He comes as an angel of light, transforming his ministers into apostles of Christ. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 and 14. These false ministers preach another Jesus and they preach another gospel. This is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse four. It sounds like Jesus' gospel. It sounds like his doctrine. It sounds like a minister of Jesus, but they're not. They are false ministers preaching another Jesus and preaching another gospel. And their gospels are always gospels of works that you have to work to get into heaven, be part of this religion, be a follower of this person, a follower of that person. And that's not how you get to heaven. You're not even a follower of Jesus when you accept him. You become a follower of Jesus after you accept him. And so you accept him as your Lord and Savior, begin to follow after his works, and all of a sudden you begin to follow after him. And there is no other gospel than the gospel which Jesus has preached. And these false ministers always disguise it and oftentimes affect ministers in the pulpit to where today we find preachers who truly understand salvation, truly understand walking with God, but they're teaching the secular doctrines of the world and they're teaching all the liberal viewpoints coming from uh, government, coming from false doctrine, coming from false ministries, coming from false uh, religions. And these things are being taught and we take them in and try to blend them in with what we're teaching, but you can't blend sin and righteousness. It cannot mix. The two cannot mix any more than oil and water can mix together. Again, the false ministers and the false gospels are taught in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 4 and Galatians chapter 1 verses 6 and 7. Paul warned, young ministers of Ephesus, that some out of their own midst would rise up teaching perverse things. The word perverse means twisted things. You take something true and it starts out as true, but after a while you begin to twist it. It takes somebody educated in the word of God and especially the basics of the word of God that when a person starts out teaching truth, you go, uh-huh, uh-huh. But the moment they start twisting, you go, no. That's where it went wrong because you understand the word of God. And so again, Paul warned young ministers that some of their own myths would rise up and teach perverted things to draw disciples again after themselves. Acts chapter 20 and verse 30. I have known of so many today. Ministers I grew up around, ministers I respected here in Tulsa and other parts of the world, and yet they got off into some false doctrine, begin to teach something, and the purpose was to try to increase their congregations, have more people come to church, and the whole point was, is numbers indicate success and numbers do not indicate success. Preaching the truth indicates success. And they left the truth and began to get into false things. And today, many of them aren't even in the ministry at all. It takes time to develop spiritual senses and be able, as it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, to prove all things and then hold fast that which is good. To do what it says in Hebrews chapter 5, and then have your senses exercised to discern between good and evil. Good and evil is poisonous versus good food from the word of God. The, the doctrines that will sustain you and bring you health and bring you spiritual growth as opposed to false things that will lead you down the wrong direction. And again, this is why association with older 
tested ministers is so important. What's needed for the pot when poison has been put in is meal, flour. This is not anything exotic, but basic doctrines which will cure the pot. This is healing in the true word of God, enough to change and cleanse the false teaching. That which would kill can now bring nourishment and now brings healing. The one who throws it into the pot is the seasoned minister, the teacher with a lifetime of experience and practice. Notice when the young men yelled and said, sir, there's poison in the pot. He didn't tell one of the young ministers to throw it in. He picked it up himself and threw it in there. Why? Because he's the one who understood the power and the importance of the truth of the word of God, the doctrines that will heal us. Turn to one more verse of scripture, 1 Kings chapter 12. I want to talk to you about, there's some stories in the Bible about when older men helped to encourage younger men, but the younger men wouldn't listen. In this particular case, we have the death of Solomon and his son Rehoboam taking over the kingdom. In 1 Kings chapter 12, take a look with me. We're going to take a look at verses 6 through 11 and notice what it says. Whenever Solomon died, King Rehoboam didn't know what to do. The first thing he asked for was for the people to come and stand before him who had been there under Solomon and asked them, what do you think I should do? And then he brought the elders who served under uh, uh, Solomon to come and stand before him and ask them what he should do. And then finally, the third thing he did was he turned to young people he grew up with and asked them what to do. And the sad thing was he listened to his young friends. He didn't listen to the counsel of older people. First Kings chapter 12, verses six through 11. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who stood before his father Solomon while he still lived. And he said, what do you advise me to answer to these people? And they spoke to him saying, if you will be a servant to these people today and serve them and answer them and speak good words to them, they will be your servants forever. But he rejected the advice which the elders had given him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him, who stood up before him. I want to admonish you something here. Before we come to verse six, in the verse before that, he actually brought the people in. Now, this is amazing for a king, a new king to actually open his heart and say, you tell me what was going on and what happened in you. Let me tell you what they told him. It opens up something about Solomon we did not know. And they said, please lower the taxes. You are taxing us forever. Don't raise the taxes. In fact, lower the taxes and we will love you. Then he brings in the elders and he says, speak good words to the people. Apparently up until that time, Solomon had turned from speaking good words to the people and all the things he experimented in, partying and, and education and building buildings and all that stuff. He did all this and the thousand women he had, he spent a ton of money, but the way he did it was he taxed the people for his own benefit. In other words, a hundred dollar, a pint ice cream, like we hear about some politicians having, and they just keep taxing and taxing the people more so they can spend it on themselves. Verse eight said he rejected the advice the elders had given him and consulted the young men who he had grown up with and stood before him. He said to them, what advice do you give? How should we answer the people who have spoken to me saying, lighten the yoke which your father put on us. Then the young men who had grown up with him spoke to him saying, this is what you should speak to the people who have spoken to you saying, your father made our yoke heavy. Will you make it lighter on us? Thus you shall say to them, my little 
finger will be thicker than my father's waist. And now, whereas my father put a heavy yoke on you, I will add to your yoke. My father chasing you with whips. I will chasten you with scourges or scorpions. He simply says, you think my father was something? I'm going to increase it. Who did he listen to? He didn't listen to the people who had been around for years, had been citizens and grown up under the taxation. He also didn't listen to the elders who had served under his father, Solomon. And now they're saying, here's what you should do. He didn't do it, but listen to his friends. And notice this, he actually split the kingdom. The kingdom divided into the Northern kingdom and the Southern kingdom and remained split all the way until the time of Jesus Christ himself. So understand this. If you're a young person, you need us old people. Old people, you need young people. And the thing is you need to learn to work together as a team. We need each other. See you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.